Wyndham Hotels and Resorts makes travel possible for all. Whether it's the long haulers looking for a great cup of coffee, a roomier rest for the on-a-wim road trippers, or a place to make summer memories with the whole family. No matter who you are, where you're going, or why, with 24 trusted brands to choose from like La Quinta, Days Inn, and Super 8, your Wyndham is waiting. Get the lowest price at WyndhamHotels.com. Restrictions apply. Visit website for more details. Live from Studio 6B. So many things to start on tonight, I don't even know where to start. Uh, Paul Nolan's here with the news. Rick Delgado's here. What even is that coming up? Top of the second hour. What's coming on to be near? What even is that tonight? Uh, climate change. Oh, okay. How Very good. Yeah. Rick Amorati's here. <laughs> going to do sports. What's coming up? First of all, how are you? What's coming up in sports tonight? Hey, Big D. Doing well. And I got a great recap on last night's Monday Night Football bet for Slick Rick and Big D. <laughs> Not looking good. Okay. <laughs> yeah, we have an update on that. Geo Fran here holding it down as always. So I, I could start with, um, well, let's let's quickly just touch on the fact that this jury's going home tonight in the Rittenhouse case, which... How? Uh, yeah, I don't understand because you would have thought this was a five, ten minute deliberation. You would think. You'd think I'm like, exaggerating, but you know what I mean. Before the closing arguments, they'd all be like, come on, let's go, let's go, come on. Eight hours after everything we've seen. First of all, this is how he selects the jury who's going to go into the deliberations. Like he's picking lotto numbers, which seems interesting. That's so he picks, odd. Yeah, he picks the, uh, picks the jury who's going to go into the deliberations, I guess. They spent eight hours today. Seems like getting a lot of um, a lot of things about the, uh, I guess the judge's ruling on deliberations on self defense. They asked for some bunch of stuff I read, but in the end, eight hours and they're going home. And I'm so, thinking to myself, how? Why? Yeah. How? how? How is this jury not sequestered? I mean, you don't want them around anything. You don't want them around anyone. They should have been they should have been completely cut off from anyone, any influence. They should have been put on a bus, taken to a secret hotel for the night, and then come back in the morning. Yeah, That's no the doubt. way it's supposed to work in these high profile Good cases. Point. Yeah, but certainly Did anyone pull a gun out today? They're trying to you know, the entire Second Amendment is under attack. You know what I mean? Like this they want the public court of public opinion making the decision. Yeah, you ha- you have to wonder. Now, there's been a lot of stuff out there on social media. I don't know what of it you can believe. Jack Posobiec put a couple of things out that other people who I also think are know what they're talking about immediately said there's no way that that's true uh, as far as U.S. Marshals being in the deliberation room and, and claiming that there's rogue jurors in there. But he basically said there's two jurors. Jack Posobiec had a tweet that said basically there was two jurors that were holding this all up because they were worried about getting doxxed and backlash, which obviously is, a, is clearly... Now, whether... whether the Two things can be true here about that statement. Number one, that certainly, I'm sure, is on the, on the mind of every juror because of the media and the, what they've created here. Right. Uh, but the, the part of the, the fact that he knows that for a fact through a U.S. marshal that was in the room, I, I, I have no idea. People seem to push back on the notion that the that, that U.S. marshal would be there. They don't... In, yeah, in, in, in a state courtroom. So that 
Yeah, and I also read a rumor that uh, Kyle Rittenhouse was actually asked to step outside and defend the courthouse in case things got a little too ruly. I, don't, I didn't hear that one either, but yeah. uh, I know what you're saying. Um, I can't take credit for that. Babylon B. Okay. Um, but you have to figure every juror is going through this thinking to myself, thinking to themselves, well, we know what we have to do. We clearly know what the right thing to do is. You would think that they're all at that point, but they're thinking, what, what, what happens to my life when we do this? Some of them, I'm sure all of them, if not most of them, have probably have fa- kids, families, houses. I mean, what, what do they do? They, they're just going to hope that their name doesn't get out? They're going to hope that the, the, the mob and the media and everything else doesn't come after them? I mean, it's a horrible situation to be in. So you wonder how much that's factoring in. Yeah. And again, this, this goes back to the media. This is a problem of the media. Yeah, trying to, you know, yeah, trying to whip things up, you know, trying to stoke the fires. Hey, if it bleeds, it leads. Let's get it out there. Let's see some more. Let's see some more peaceful protests that erupt in fires and chaos. Uh, that's all. That's all they care about. They don't really. They don't care who, if it's guilty right. or innocent. They don't care. Yeah, it's a win-win. Yeah, it's a win-win. Like we get to say something so provocative and be so insightful, and then we incite the violence, and then we get to cover the violence that we incited. It's a right. Really nice little business model they got cooking. Guys like Don Lemonhead, the, the lunacy from these people on CNN. It's 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 in, you know they, they're culpable to a degree. Joe Scarborough, you think of the way they framed this kid, the things they've said about him. How about our own him? president calling him a white supremacist? Him too. I mean, that's sick. Yeah, that's where we are in this country with the, with with this party and this media. And the majority we're of people, hand in hand. And the majority of people know it's BS, but they're too busy to be. The care, the people on the fence are just like, whatever, I don't care. They just, oh, yeah, the, the racist kid? Because that's all they hear. Right. Because even on, like, you know, ESPN has been so infiltrated for the people who don't want to hear it, but they're inundated with it, right? And at Bell Network, every one of these outlets where the regular guy don't want to be bothered with it all, it's still coming at them. It's, it's infests and festers in in every level. You, know, I, you hear people just say like that, oh, yeah, the, the, the uh, mass murder and racist kid? Right now on a shooting spree in uh, in Wisconsin, yeah, it's framed endlessly that way at us. Saying that all those people were just protesters. No, they weren't. No, they were. Look back at the video. Look back at the pictures. You see this kid laying on the ground defending himself. Yeah, having a uh, uh, skateboard cracked over his uh, over his head. Did you watch that Ben Swan report from almost a year ago that I, I sent you? It was phenomenal. It was just all the, it was all the like exclusive footage at the time, all pieced together in perfect succession to show exactly what happened from the actual reporter who was eyewitness on it. It was incredible. Like there's really no way to call this anything other than self-defense because the police wouldn't do their job and they were hired to protect people's long, like their businesses, their livelihoods. They spent generations building and it's all going to get burnt to the ground because a bunch of people we're having a field day, if you will. They were having a, a record field day. Right. Is there anyone yeah. who legitimately thinks that uh, without doing what he did, Kyle Rittenhouse would be alive? He was at, dead. At the end of that night. Of he was not. a dead man walking right exactly. there. And there would have been no charges on the guys who popped him. Yep. Dead. I mean, think about these lifelong criminals. That psychopath. Uh, you know, I, oh, my God. My, my brain. The bald dude who got Rosenblum? Shot. Yeah. I think it was Rosenblum. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Rosenblum. Baum, 
right? Email, he, yeah. he, how many, how many charges did he have against him? And how many heinous things that he did, unspeakable things that he do? You can't even say it because we're on Facebook again, right? You can't say the charges against him. This guy was the lowest of the low. You know, this this guy was an ankle. He was two feet below a a hole. I mean, this guy was as this is the scum of the earth. Yeah, and, and this is the, this is the this is the type of person the left defends. They celebrate. Oh, he's just out protesting. Right. The only no, guy using not. the N word on film the whole right. time too. He, he's he's on film, like you said. He, he's saying things like that. He's uh, you know, he, he's got a criminal record probably as long as you can you, you can you can imagine. The other guy did too, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. they all did. He, even even Gage, G- the guy Gage, that survived. Uh, yeah, Gage. That's what I'm talking about. Yeah, he had all kinds about. of charges too. Yeah. I mean, he was scum. I mean, any plus the fact that let's not forget the fact, the little fact that he admitted on the stand that <laughs> Rittenhouse didn't point the gun at him until he pointed his at him. Yeah, under oath, he spoke the truth because he's you know afraid of uh, perjury, right? Yeah. But meanwhile, then he goes into the court of public opinion where he could lie his face off. He did all the rounds: Anderson Cooper, Michael Strahan, that goofball, like he's an authority. Are you kidding me? You know, he everywhere he went, and he lied in succession, and he got better and better and better at his lying. So what's to explain this jury tonight leaving after eight hours with no no verdict? How do you explain that? Anybody have an opinion? You know what? Maybe it's one of these things. Maybe they have a decision. Maybe they've already come to a decision, but you know what? Let's just take the night. Let's hope, you know, let's do the uh, decision in the morning in the daylight as opposed to in the evening. And should give, give the police and yeah. the guard, whatever it may be, a chance to, you know, lock down the Prepare the a little bit. I mean, that's an optimistic view. I like that. Yeah. Oh, and also for maybe tensions that they, they knew were high today to kind of calm down a bit. Yeah. Overnight, people, you know, okay, let's face it, people are like, all right, uh, I was ready to rage, and uh, look what time it is, I gotta go home. You hope that that's what happens, that that's, you know, people just kind of unplug a bit, diffuse the situation. People are already starting to chime in here. Kelly says uh, they knew the possibilities when they agreed to be on the jury. Yeah, true. Well, it's, not, just, it's not like this was a, uh, <laughs> it's not like it was a, uh, what do you call it, a uh, uh, shoplifting case. This was, uh, everybody knew about this case. Terry Moore says, Rick's joke about Kyle Rittenhouse, not funny. Zip it. <laughs> <laughs> hey, that, I said I stole that from the Babylon Bee. Yes. I and thought it was funny. I thought um, it was funny, too. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, I don't know. Watch it's, CNN. <laughs> I just. Rick's um, funny, damn it. Yeah. <laughs> I don't. Um, goes, yeah. I don't understand eight hours with no verdict, but right. I, maybe I'm overthinking it. And we'll see. T- no, we'll I don't see think tomorrow. you're overthinking it. I think you're very pragmatic in the way you're going about this, and I think I'm delusional because I don't want to think the worst that it could be. You know, I want to stay in, in Camp Delgado over there, where it's maybe they're just saying let's get a good night's rest. Let's announce it first thing in the morning. And, and I just don't think juries. I don't think juries operate that way. I think they've uh, they, they they go in there and all twelve of them say, okay, yeah, we're uh, let's take first thing you do is okay. Well, let's see where everybody's at. Boom. Okay, we're we're pretty much done here. Right. I mean, you can ask for a few things, clarifications if you need them or whatever. Yeah, from what I understand, there was a, they they did have a bunch of things read back to them. 
Yeah, but I believe that was just on um, on the uh, directions from the judge, right? On, on yeah, and clarification on you know statute and how they're supposed to apply it. I don't know. I mean, I got listen. We'll, I would I would think we're going to find out tomorrow. It's probably deliberation on the lesser charges, if anything. They probably looked at the murder charges and said, no, we've got that one figured out. But if you're looking at reckless endangerment, there may be people on there that are like, well, kind of, we got to talk about this. Okay. Uh, you know what? I was going to ask Fran for his opinion on that. That's the best thing I've that. heard that's, yet. Yeah, agreed. That's the best thing I've heard yet, too. All right. Well, we'll see. We'll fo- Obviously, we'll follow it. Um, if I don't think it'll make it tomorrow uh, during the day to the time we're on the air. I was thinking maybe we were going to get this during the show tonight. But then, obviously, right before we came on, we found out they were going home. So... I don't think we're going to make it to tomorrow night, but we'll uh, we'll see what happens during the day. So, uh, lots to, a lot else to talk about tonight. Mayorkas was in front of the Senate Judiciary Committee, and I've got all of the ones that were fired today, which was, of course, Josh Hawley. <laughs> I mean, this, this guy. I mean, I said it at the time. This guy, like everybody else in this cabinet, just a disaster. God, he looks like the gremlin from Bugs Bunny. <laughs> but Ted Cruz, once again... Um. God, I mean, A plus, like A plus, just A plus. Uh, Josh Hawley was interesting in in that how it relates to the vice president. I thought was interesting, so I'll Ted, play both of those for you. Yeah, Ted Cruz was fun. Well, Ted Cruz made Mayorkas almost melt in the seat. <laughs> that was just which a- he almost did to. By the way, he almost <laughs> did to. Um, I believe it was was it Merrick Garland he questioned last or someone yeah, yeah. did he have in front of him last time he almost made melt in the seat. We have news. I could have started on Merrick Garland tonight and some of the whistles, things we've just found out. So I got, I got all kinds of stuff to tell you about. I live from Studio 6B on a Tuesday night. Gang's all here. More to do when we get back right after this. past the hour live from studio 6b on a tuesday night glad you're in lots to do lots to talk about some interesting stories i want to get to some of them broke later in the day some of them i was reminded of and um we'll get to all that but we'll do sports and news here in this segment and here at sports is uh rick emirati at slick rick sports on twitter make sure you give him a follow uh how are you i'm good big d how are you very good so um what's going on in sports Good-looking haircut. I like your haircut. It looks good. Thank you very much. Not very nice. Uh, well, we're going to talk about last <laughs> night's getting Fortnite. you out of uh, not a single dollar, so don't be trying to kiss up to me, pal. All right. Just being nice. All right, ready? Here we go. Let's talk about last night. Let me take it like a man. 49ers win first home game in more than a year. Can you believe that? More than a year. 31-10 over the Rams. Okay. Look at this. So we have an updated scoreboard here. Wow. Geo the Master down 9,000 now, Rick. I have now Versace's oh. back with me, and <laughs> and if you notice, bird number two is now with me too. Oh boy, oh. Curacao! Well, Curacao's with me with the big full Bitcoin. Not there yet on the Bitcoin, but well, that's it, just to, to, let's just be technical here. It's only half of Curacao. Okay, only half of Curacao. Oh, yes, okay. that's true. Well, good Thanksgiving, Rick. Damon's you know house. what the solution here is, right? 
Yeah, Gamblers Anonymous. <laughs> no, no, that's for quitters. <laughs> we have to start airing a, that's for quitters. Yeah, here we go. No, you're not a quitter. You are airing a, a disclaimer during this segment. <laughs> the solution here is just to bet bigger. No, I just want to rem- pick the well, good games. I just want to remind you: this is Paul talking to you, who is 33% responsible for your, no, your number no, here. No, 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 no. 2,500 okay. is not, it's 27.7%. <laughs> okay. uh, well, I laid two grand last night. And I got to tell you, let me just go on record. This is the only live show that can actually flip the bird on the screen and not get in trouble. Only show on the That's network. Exa- yes. You flip two <laughs> birds over to me. I'm going to flip the birds four. over the weekend. Trust How many me. birds do you have? Four? No, six. Okay. Oh, I'm oh. going for all six. Now, yes. now he's got four. <laughs> okay, I'm going for all <laughs> six. You're like Manning. You did the double bird. You flipped. Right. Exactly. Exactly yeah. what you're, I'm saying. You're four and a half now. All right. What's going on in sports? Well, anyway, but an, 18, uh, an opening 18-play touchdown drive against rival LA Rams was a pretty good start last night for the 49ers and Jimmy Garoppolo. He capped that long drive off with the first of his two touchdown passes. Jimmy Ward returned one of his two first-quarter interceptions for another score. And the Niners clobbered the Rams. I added that in. 31-10 on Monday night. Again, for the their first home and win in a year. I thought they were a lock. I mean, they were laying a couple of points. I got one. I got to tell you now. From now on, that's it. No more commentary. I'm going to make my picks, and I'm going to like. I'm going to not be like Ralph Cramden. I got a big mouth. I'm going to keep my mouth shut and just make my picks. No more adding in. This is a blowout. No, not because it's killing me. It's killing me. All right, a couple of quick scores before I throw the show back to you, Big D. Uh, Howard right now trailing Villanova, 85-63 in men's double A basketball. It's number five Villanova in the second half. Right now, number thirteen Kentucky, 53 to 30 over Saint Mount Saint Mary's and uh, Purdue, 60. 28 over Wright State. That's also in the second. Number seven, Duke, 58 to 29 over Gardner Webb. And Alabama, Bama right now trailing South Alabama, 28 26. Good game down Anybody south. Anybody think Duke's going to be the uh, Cinderella story of the year, given that Krzyzewski says this is it for him? I don't know. I, I don't know. Not after today's play. news. Not after today's news. You saw that, Rick? Yeah, I did. A, his, uh, what's that? His, um, <laughs> his grandson? His grandson got a, a Dewey. <laughs> and the best player on the team. Yep. Yeah. Oh. Yep. On happened early Sunday morning. Uh, yeah, that was not, not a good situation. Obviously, he was. I think he just blew like right at the alcohol level limit, like .08. But either way, no good driving under the influence. So uh, trouble there for for, for Coach Shevsky. But uh, yeah, I do oh. think it might be a Cinderella year for him. And NHL action right now: Flames over the Flyers, one nothing in the first. The island is really in trouble down in Florida, trailing 4 nothing to the Panthers. Tired team, been on the road too long. Uh, Sabres 1-0 over the Penguins, and Maple Leafs 1-0 over the Predators. Both games in the second. Big D, back to you. All right, Rick, thanks very much. Uh, we'll do some more sports. What even is that coming up at the top of the hour? Let's do a little news with uh, Mr. Nolan, everybody in the chat, and everybody's he- happy to see you, Paul, back. No, um, it's nice to be back. I, I do miss it some nights when I'm, you know, relaxing on the couch, just having a nice... <laughs> cool, you know, dinner and a cocktail and sleep in bed by nine fifteen. I miss you guys. Yes. That's, what, that's what normal people do at sure. night, huh, Paul? Yes. <laughs> What's, uh, but I really miss the audience, and I'm happy to be back. And hopefully, uh, next couple of weeks, I can start expanding the schedule here. If, if you guys will have me, um, we'll get yeah. back to you. What's going on in the? Uh, <laughs> in the news? So I don't. I mentioned. I heard you mention this before, but I wanted to get to this right right away from uh, Zero Hedge uh, by Tyler Durden. FBI whistleblower reveals. Biden DOJ activated counterterrorism division against protesting parents. House Republicans in the Judiciary Committee have sent a Tuesday letter to Attorney General Merrick Garland after an FBI whistleblower provided a protected disclosure revealing that the FBI's counterterrorism division 
is compiling and categorizing threat assessments related to parents, including a document directed uh, directing FBI personnel to use a specific threat tag to track potential investigations. Yeah. The evidence in an email sent the day before Garland testified on October 21st referenced your October 4th directive to the FBI to address school board threats and notify FBI personnel about the threat tag created by counterterrorism and criminal divisions. This is psychotic. Yeah. More weaponized alphabet gangs. So somebody on the inside saw his testimony, saw him perjure himself clearly and said, I I, I can't, I can't stand for this. Can't live with this. Uh, So an FBI agent provided a copy of this internal email to several Republican lawmakers citing concerns that it could open the door for the Bureau to collect information on parents voicing their opposition to local school policies during meetings. That a tweet from James Grimaldi um, the other day in in a long article tonight that I'll link on our social media uh, from Breitbart, which is where I was actually going to start tonight, as was one of the places I could have started tonight. Uh, The documents which state the FBI is adding, like Paul said, threat tags to parents. Now, this is Merrick Garland sat up. We played it for you on this show and said to multiple people, including Grassley, well, there's no circumstance where I could ever see. I mean, how many times did he say that in that hearing? Yeah. And not only that, you mentioned Ted Cruz when he was grilling him last week that we played as well. And Merrick Garland made the point of saying, you know, or, or Ted Cruz pointed out, so, so you had five days, you know, including the weekend, to put this, this whole thing together. Turns out they were in coordination for weeks before this. Yeah. Well, we reported on that, too, the, yeah. the White House being involved. Yeah. So and, this is just on, everything this, this administration touches is a scandal. Myarcus's testimony today, to me, is almost a scandal as well. It's, it's, it's when you see it. Yeah, what he said to Josh Hawley unto itself was was news as josh hawley put it i mean it was just like wow you don't think that this is gonna affect you know giving these people paychecks to come in you know it was that i won't spoil that but that was a great clip you so see, let me before you get to that paul so jim jordan yeah jim jordan is about to signed this letter is that what you have yeah it was good from just yeah, news no 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 no, go, go. Um, no from from breitbart um so he sent garland a, a note and said we are now in receipt <clears throat> of a protected disclosure from a department whistleblower showing that the FBI's counterterrorism division is compiling and categorizing threats assessments related to parents, including a document directing FBI personnel to use the threat tags to track potential investigations. You testified that under oath that you could not, quote, imagine any circumstance in which the Patriot Act would be used in the circumstances of parents complaining about their children, nor a circumstance where they would be labeled as domestic terrorists, end quote. You also testified, quote, I do not think that parents getting angry at school boards for whatever reasons constitutes domestic terrorism. It's not even a close question, end quote. And then Christopher Rufo uh, said, this is a smoking gun. Attorney General Garland provided zero evidence that parents are engaging in credible threats or acts of violence, and yet he mobilized the FBI counterterrorism division to use counterterrorism tools for... Now, where, by the way, to follow up on last night, where's the committee on this? Yeah. Where's the committee on this going to be? Pelosi going to fire this up? little bipartisan committee on Merrick Garland's um, perjury? Where's the committee on this going to be? When's it start? 
I'll tell you when. Never. All right, more on this, more news when we get back. Live from Studio 6B on a Tuesday. What even is that coming up? More sports news. Crazy Town as well. Glad you're in. We're back right after this. from Studio 6B on a Tuesday night. Lots to do. I'd like to do a little more on this Jim Jordan um, because this whistleblower email, they actually received the day before Garland's testimony, which is an interesting part of this if you think about it. Um, that referenced a directive from Garland, so you, you know the rest of it. But the fact that they actually got it before he testified is... Um, well, it's, it's interesting because you wonder how many of them who were questioning him that day knew about it. All right, so we'll get back to this, but I want to get to Ted Cruz and Mayorkas today, and I want to get to Josh Hawley. I want to make sure we have, um, we have enough time because we all know what's going on at the border. I tweeted today about the numbers on the border, and they are out of control month over month, the worst numbers we've, well, the worst in history, I think, the numbers that came out today. Um, February, 101,000. March, 173,000. April, 178,000. This is apprehensions at the border. 180,000 in May. June, 189,000. July, 213,000. August, 209,000. September, 192,000. October, 164,303 is the worst October ever. Since Biden took office, 1.6 million, 1.6 million since January, uh, since February. So that means we could probably get to 2 million if we try. That's more than we let in legally through uh, the proper channels every year. It's unbelievable. So Mayorkas is in front of the Senate Judiciary Committee today. And I've got Mike Lee, Ted Cruz, Josh Hawley, Tom Cotton, and John Kennedy. Cruz and Hawley were, for me, the best. Those are the two I'm going to show you. We'll start with Cruz. Here it is. Fired up, G. You testified several times that our immigration system is, quote, fundamentally broken. True or false, under President Trump, we saw the lowest rate of illegal immigration in 45 years. Um, I don't know if it's uh, within 45 years, but we certainly saw in 2020 uh, a low level uh, of illegal immigration. 2019 uh, was Okay, true, true or false, Secretary Marcus, this year under Joe Biden, we've seen the highest rate of illegal immigration in 61 years. Again, I don't know the number of years, but it's certainly a historic high, Senator. So you're right, it's broken, but you broke it. Let me ask you, in the calendar year 2021, how many illegal immigrants do you expect to have crossed illegally into the United States? I believe the, um, the total number of encounters has been referenced in this hearing earlier. 
is um, uh, approximately just under 1.7 million. But there's two months remaining. Is it correct that you project over 2 million illegal immigrants in 2021, calendar year 2021? I believe that is correct, Senator. And over the last three months, we've seen a drop in the numbers by reason. And, and how many children do you project in 2021? I'm sorry? How many children will have crossed illegally in 2021? Um, I believe that thus far through October 31st, uh, Senator, approximately 125,000 unaccompanied children have been transferred uh, to the shelter and care of Health and Human Services. Now, you told another senator you don't know how many gotaways there have been? Uh, I will have to circle back, uh, Senator, with that information. <laughs> yeah. So that Ten wasn't seconds. a fact that, that you thought was Judge relevant you. to this hearing? Oh, it is um, uh, absolutely uh, uh, relevant. I, I understand why the question is posed. It's a fact of great... Okay, you're, but you're not prepared to answer it. How about this? How many deaths, how many illegal aliens have died crossing illegally into the United States under Joe Biden's administration? I don't have that data. So the, so the deaths, you didn't prepare that data either. All right, how about this? How many children have been in the Biden cages in calendar year 2021? Um, uh, Senator, I uh, respectfully disagree with um, your use of uh, the term cages. Fine, you can disagree with it. How many children have been in the Biden cages? I've been to the <laughs> Biden cages. I've seen the Biden cages. How many children have you detained at the video. Donna Tent facility in the cages they you built to hold kids? How many children have been in those cages? Uh, uh, Senator, I can uh, uh, provide to you the following uh, figure that um, when, and let me, let me say, that when a child... I, I don't... Child, I, 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 it's a simple question. How many children I, have been in those cages? Uh, I, I respectfully am not familiar with the term cages and to what you are referring. There are... Enclosures in which they are locked in, in which I took photographs and put them out because you blocked the press and didn't want people to see the Biden cages. <laughs> the secure facilities in which they are locked down in Donna that uh, those facilities, how many children have been in them? Senator, there are three types of facilities. There's the, the Donna tent cages, the, the Donna tent city. Let's take the Donna facility. How many children have been there? That is a soft-sided facility. It is not a... Okay, are you going to answer the question, how many children have been in that facility? <laughs> I, I will have to circle back with you with the precise number. Oh, by the way, here's a photograph of the Biden cages. That, um, uh, Senator, um, that is precisely why I articulated children beginning. sleeping on floors crashed in upon each other when I took this photograph the COVID rate, rate of COVID positivity was over 10 percent may I may I speak senator you can answer the question how many kids have been in these that, conditions that is precisely why I stated in March of this year that a border patrol station is no place for a child number one okay but number two all right that is secretary Mayorkas you're not answering my question so let me ask you this in the past year, has Joe Biden been down to see firsthand the Biden cages? Senator, I will again... Has Joe Biden been down to see this facility? Uh, yes or no? The president has not been down to... The okay, no. Has Kamala Harris been down to see the Biden cages, this facility? Um, yes or no? Uh, the vice president was at the border... Has she been down to see this facility? I know she went to El Paso. Has she seen the Biden cages? They are not cages. And... Um, what are these walls? Senator, the ha, has, has Kamala Harris seen them? Yes or no? Senator, the the <laughs> it's a simple question. Yes I, or no? I did, we don't need a paragraph. Yes or no? Has Kamala Harris been down to see these detention facilities? She has not been down. Okay. Has any Democratic senator on this committee been down to see the Biden cages? 
I will once again disagree with your use of terminology. These facilities, has any Democratic member of this committee given a damn enough to see the children being locked up by Joe Biden and Kamala Harris because of your failed immigration policies? Uh, Senator, I cannot speak to um, the members of this committee. And you, you don't know if any Democrats have been down there? To, to oh, I, I believe d Democrats have been down. To see this either, facility, yes or no? On a facility. Whether they are members of this committee, I do not know. And All right, let me ask you a different question then. That what we do how, how many are, women have been sexually assaulted being trafficked into this country in 2021? Senator, I have no ability to determine uh, how many. Okay, you don't know, so you didn't try to find out? Have been um, sexually assaulted in Mexico along the migratory. All right, how about this? How many children have been sexually assaulted by traffickers or other people when they were coming in illegally? I do not have that data. Sir. Okay, so you don't know that either. Let me ask you this. How many illegal immigrants have you released into the United States who were COVID positive? Senator, we, it is our policy to test uh, individuals. I didn't ask your policy. How many illegal aliens have you released who are COVID positive? Well, let me just say when they are released, they are <laughs> placed in say, immigration. How many have you released that were COVID positive? I will have to get that number. Okay, you don't have that answer either. All right, let's, let, oh, let's try this. Wow. How many illegal aliens have you released who had criminal convictions? Um, who have criminal convictions. Just hold it for one second. The fact that that number, the fact that he can't say not zero, while all of us are living under these um, draconian, yeah. uh, tyrannical um, lockdowns and, and mandates and everything else, the fact that Ted Cruz says to him, how many illegals have you allowed to go free uh, in COVID positive, he can't say zero, none, is just tells you everything you need to know. It's just, it's just. I just wish Cruz had all those numbers in front of him as he couldn't answer them. Yeah, that would have been powerful. Uh, and and it's almost like we're sitting with the people sitting behind Ted Cruz, like you know, watching this whole thing because it watching the them is is entertaining. It's like it's like they can't believe it either. I mean. You, you know, I mean, of course we know he knows what the, I'm sure he knows the numbers. He's the guy in charge. But I'd also like the number is how many people have you shipped to places like yeah. the hotel next door to this building or your Westchester County or the Islip Airport? I mean, this is insanity. And we're seeing these people exported to cities where they're going to get checks. Yeah. Under the cover of night. All over the country. Joe Biden told us that, by the way. When he was asked by the reporter at the White House late at night, so I'm sure Joe was tired and the sugar level was down and wasn't thinking something about um, illegal immigrants. He said, well, I don't know. I haven't met any of them. They're all over the country. So he, told, he, he said the quiet part out loud back then. All right, G, let's continue. To go in the criminal convictions in whatever jurisdiction. Uh, uh, those individuals, if they pose a public safety threat. How many individuals with criminal convictions have you released? Senator, I do not have that. Okay, number. let's specify it more narrowly. How many murderers have you released? I'm not aware of any murderers whom... We How many rapists have you released? I'm not aware of any rapists whom... We How many child molesters have you released? I am not aware of any child molesters whom we have released into the United States, and I should say that... Senior Customs and Border Patrol uh, leadership have told me 
that your agency is slow walking and refusing to comply with the order from the federal court to return to the remain in Mexico policy. What would you say to the judge if the judge was asking why you should not be held in contempt and incarcerated for defying a federal court order? Um, it is because uh, we are implementing the court's order in good faith. We are working with Mexico. It requires a bilateral re relationship and an agreement. And I should also add... Have you or anyone on your staff expressed to Mexico to resist going back to this agreement? No. And I should also indicate to you, Senator, that Immigration and Customs Enforcement, ICE, under the sex offenders uh, operation known as SOAR, um, apprehended 495 individuals between June 4th and September 1st who committed sex offenses and were very focused on public safety. So that's a little bit of Ted Cruz. This is the part two where he asked some more questions, and we'll play Josh Hawley. But, um, I mean, you know, any problem you look at, whether it's China, whether it's the border, when you listen to the people who are in charge of these departments or these cabinet members, you see why we have a problem. They're all the wrong people for all of these John Kerry, Mayorkas, the education guy, Cardona, um, Becerra at HHS. When you listen to them under any reasonable questioning, you realize why every department they all run and why everything about this right now, administration in this country, is a disaster. Yeah. They're all co completely corrupt morally, emotionally. They're just corrupted, you know, at every level. That's what happens with lifelong politicians like this. These guys keep working their way up and they're always always corrupt they everybody owes each other and they all hold the corporate line yeah something tells me ted cruz may have uh gotten him to lie towards the end there he asked him a direct question about working with mexico if any of his people had expressed their dismay of uh, going back to that policy we gave he, a blanket he, he, no and he said yeah he gave a blanket no it's like woof. wonder if that was a trap question well done all right, live from Studio 6B, a little more from this hearing today, plus more news, more sports. Crazy Town as well. Coming up, what even is that top of the hour? to the hour live from studio 6b glad you're in on a tuesday night time to do a little more sports and here with that is the man who's lost one and a half of his six birds oh, on his oh, way to oh, losing all easy. six is slick rick rick emirati what's going on pal Either that i'll be working well into 2022 for free on this show <laughs> that's for sure with that number i gotta get that thing down wait a second how much do you get paid to do this <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Hey, we How gotta much? talk, bro. That, that might be a that looks like a year's salary, Paul. <laughs> right now. You're already anyway. Down, it's already down three years. <laughs> right, okay. Like our let's, best sponsor is a sock puppet. They're 14 cents each. We get a penny on each one of them. Let's let's just say the show will go off the air in six years and, and Rick will still be working. Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> no, I got a big comeback. Don't worry. And here we go. NBA right now at <laughs> halftime. Big game. Warriors and uh, Brooklyn Nets in Brooklyn. The Warriors lead 63-58. Uh, Golden State's Seth Curry leads all scorers with 19. Sixers visit the Jazz at 10. And the Spurs are out at the Staples Center to take on the Clippers at a 10-30 tip. NHL action right now. Sec- end of the second. Flames one nothing over the Flyers. Going into the third. The Panthers lead the Islanders 5-1. to Sabres 2 nothing over the Penguins. Also third. Maple Leafs one nothing over the Predators. That's in the second. And at the Garden, the Hot Rangers are up 2-1 to over the Montreal Canadiens heading into the third period. Yeah. Sharks 2 nothing over the Wild. That's in the second. And Coyotes and Blues tied at 1 at the end of 1. Here's a story, Big D. I know we talked a little bit about this off-air, and you felt that Romo's comments really weren't in support of Rodgers. But anyway, Tony Romo under fire for Aaron Rodgers' comments made during Packers-Seahawks broadcast. This is from my favorite writer in all of sports, Paulina Dadage of Fox News. Tony Romo was criticized on social media Sunday after seemingly defending Aaron Rodgers over the fallout from his vaccine status during CBS's broadcast of the Green Bay Packers-Seattle Seahawks game. The former Dallas Cowboys quarterback applauded Rodgers for taking responsibility over misleading fans about his vaccine status when he told reporters in August that he had been immunized against COVID-19. I'm glad he did that. I'm glad he took responsibility for that, Romo said via Audacity.com. I'm glad that he said that he misled people. And I think the biggest thing, you know, it's a polarizing issue, but I can promise you he felt the weight of it the last few weeks. It's something that he's not thinking about anything else. And it's been, make no mistake, a very challenging week for him. Rogers tested positive for COVID-19 earlier this month and would miss 10 days per the league's protocols for unvaccinated players. During an initial appearance on the Pat McAfee show, he said he didn't lie in the initial press conference and had been researching homeopathic alternatives for the vaccine. But viewers totally took it out of context, Big D, and weren't pleased with Romo's comments and took to social media to express that. In fact, Brad Dickinson on Twitter, who's a a writer for The Tonight Show in LA Times, said there. I really need to know what he said. Oh, yeah. Well, wait a minute, guys. What he says. Tony Romo knows his X and O's very well, but his praise of the way Aaron Rodgers handled the COVID thing reveals that Tony is tone deaf outside of football. Ditto his comment about Giselle Bunchen. I'm thinking he won't last long. This guy's already calling for Romo's job with CBS. How, How is like he that? tone deaf? How is he tone well, deaf? Because he's not he doesn't buy into him. your nonsense vaccine stories? Yeah, he, exactly. You're not bashing him, calling him a, a, you know, basically a murderer because he didn't get a vaccine. So you, you have to be canceled. That's the way they think. The, the, uh, you know, the mind-numbed uh, sheeple out there. It's just incredible. And uh, yeah, cancel culture always, you know, you, it's almost like you can't say anything out of uh, anywhere anymore. It's just incredible uh, when it comes to this COVID-19. If the narrative doesn't fit the left, you're out. That's it. Simple as that. So that was it. A big deal. I'll have a couple other stories a little bit later on. Green Bay Packers offered a stock sale for the first time in 11 years. And uh, Peyton Manning was pleading with one of his guests last night to please win tonight because he can't afford another loss <laughs> and the Peyton jinx to continue. I mean, it sounds like that could be you talking to somebody. But, uh, okay. All right. Slick All right. Rick, we'll do some more sports. We'll do news. What even is that coming up top of the hour? Crazy town as well. Geo says it's a good one. So. Uh, let's do some news, though, with Paul Nolan right now. What's going on, Mr. Nolan? So Ohio AG sues Facebook for violations of security laws amid allegations of harm <laughs> to children. Ohio's attorney general on Monday filed a lawsuit against Meta, formerly known as Facebook, accusing it of violating federal securities law by misleading investors in claiming that its products do not harm children's health or well-being. Attorney uh, General uh, David Yost filed a lawsuit on behalf of the state's pension fund. The suit accuses Facebook of having violated uh, federal securities 
laws by having knowingly exploited children for profits while purposely misleading the public that its products don't harm children and that the company had taken steps to stop the spread of misinformation and harmful uh, harmful content. Uh, Facebook said it was uh, looking out for children in weeding out online trolls, but in reality was creating misery, divisiveness for profit, Yo said in a statement. We are not uh, people that, to Mark Zuckerberg, we are product, and we will be used against one another uh, uh, for the sake of greed. So wow. that's uh, pretty cool because we have seen enough science that proves that, um, you know, that these algorithms really know how to... Um, juice up our endorphins and people are uh in a very hateful way with the, you know based on social media that'd be interesting to see how quickly that's kick, gets kicked out of court but it'll be interesting to watch nonetheless <laughs> you know zuckerberg will be like all right send my lawyers pink you know so but it's good to see people standing up to the nonsense but but in a better case judicial watch my man tom fitton pushes uh five states to clean voter rolls or face federal lawsuits the Watchdog Group, Judicial Watch, sent letters to election officials in 14 counties across five states, notifying them of apparent violations of the 1993 National Voter Registration Act. The law mandates that all states conduct general program that makes a reasonable effort to remove from its voter rolls the names of ineligible voters who have either died or moved. Those numbers go directly from states' reports to the Federal Election Assistance Commission. The act also requires that registration uh, be canceled when a voter fails to respond to address confirmation notices and subsequently fails to vote in the next two general federal elections. So my man Tom Fitton stepping up to the plate. Once again, he is relentless and hasn't stopped. So it's uh, good stuff right there. Very Well, we uh, know chain of custody is just a disaster starting at the voter rolls and all the way through. Um, that was one of the huge, obviously, besides all of the constitutional issues, chain of custody and some of the, and, and those things like voter rolls and all the way through the chain of custody through election night and all that, uh, afterwards, the envelopes and all that, it was, it was all a disaster. I mean, so it's, it's a good step, but chain of custody from A to Z needs huge attention. As Phil Klein told us when he came on the show. Mm. All right, anything else in news? Yeah, Navy, uh, sailors denied vaccine mandate exemptions have five days to get the shot. U.S. sailors who have uh, attempted to secure an exemption to the military's COVID-19 vaccine mandate rejected um, have five days to get the jab, according to a guidance uh, released on Monday. If they do not, commanders will begin processing them for discharge, the Navy said. The mandate deadline is November 28th for active duty sailors. Reserves have until December 28th to become fully vaccinated. The uh, the fully vaccinated uh, refers to both getting a full vaccination regimen and at least two weeks elapsing after the final shot. I believe Ted Cruz introduced a bill. This is crazy. To um, rescind this in the the military um, in the last couple of days. There's been a couple of bills introduced on this stuff. I'll look them up during the break, but I, I think I did see the crews put one in today. Um, but, I, you know, we need to talk more about what the, I mean, we talked a little bit about yesterday, but the Fifth Circuit, why, why wouldn't that apply? Why wouldn't that apply, I guess, because it's government, um, this mandate, I guess, because it's only for private businesses. But man, I'm, I, I guess that's why Cruz is introducing this legislation. That the, the military personnel has to face this this kind of a consequence. It's ridiculous. 
It's psychotic. You have a court who said this is so egregiously overbroad. There's got to be some way to apply it to everyone, not just to private businesses. What about these military personnel who want to serve the country but don't want to get it? We're going to tell them, no, you're, you're sorry, you're gone? Uh, it's, just, it's just outrageous. All right, uh, what even is that? And Crazy Town coming up. Good segment, top of the hour. More sports, more news. We'll get to um, Alex Bernson. Little interesting Pfizer story here. Ooh, they may have left something out of their publicly reported trial. Oops. Oh, shocking. I'll tell you about that. Two live from Studio 6B. Glad you're in on a Tuesday night. Real America's Voice, Dish Network Channel 219, Pluto TV Channel 240, Samsung TV Plus Channel 1029. Gang's all here tonight. Geo Fran holding it down as always. Rick Delgado's got what even is that here coming up? <laughs> no, trust me, they're here. I was going to say. Unless you're just joining us for the first time. Where the heck hour, are they? <laughs> uh, what even is that's coming up? So I just want to get to the headline here so because I, I'm, I'm hoping to have time. But if I don't have time, we'll get to this tomorrow night. But Alex Bernson, who's been great throughout COVID, there's, there's been some people who have been really, really carrying the, the load of getting out real information to people. Alex Bernson was one. I think he's a former New York Times, believe it or not, writer. Yeah. Uh, Daniel Horowitz at The Blaze, fantastic. Um, our guy Phil Kirpin, who was on the show, uh, just as just as New York went into lockdown, if I remember back. Yeah, it was because I joked with him about getting a haircut at the fact that we live in New York. We'll never be able to get out. So it was early on. Phil Kirpin, we got to get Phil back on. He's been, he's been fantastic as well. Obviously, um, well, there's a bunch of people who have been good. Well, but and, Alex Bernson has been great. And Kirpin has been great, you know, following up the kid angle. Yes. Like ha- all the children numbers. It's just amazing the stuff he's been able to find. So here's uh, Alex Bernson's uh, headline today in his Substack: More people died in the key clinical trial for Pfizer's COVID vaccine than the company publicly reported. Whoops. Uh-oh. Pfizer told the world that 15 people who received the vaccine in its trial had died as of mid-March. Turns out the real number was 21, compared to only 17 deaths in people who hadn't been vaccinated. So I want to get into that a little bit if we have time. But uh, right now, it's time for one of my new favorite segments here on the show. And that, of course, is Rick Delgado with What Even Is That? All right, Dame. Well, thank you. And because sometimes you need to actually see things to believe them. Sure. I believe in this edition of What Even Is That? Well, that will be reaffirmed to you as we we are truly living in bizarre times. 
And that's why 81 million Americans voted for me. Yes, of course. The latest turn <laughs> yeah. from this bizarro world we find ourselves hurtling towards comes from our frosty friends to the north. Oh, frosty. No, not that far. Not in Alaska. Uh, actually, a bit further south. Yep, that's better. Canada. Yes, Canada, where their bacon is bigger, their cops ride horses, and where the Canadian version of Beto O'Rourke actually sports an evil Mr. Spock goatee. (laughs) The Canadian version of Beto O'Rourke. Well, now there's something else we can blame Canada for. Check this out. And no, not the headline in the center of your screen. Though that one does seem pretty funny, and I'll have to make time and read that one and get back to you on it. No, let's go back. Go back and focus on the main headline, because this one is truly amazing. It comes to us from IFL Science, a science website based out of the UK. And it reads, and I quote, doctor diagnoses patient with suffering from climate change. (laughs) Of course, because I'm sure she has no underlying health conditions whatsoever that could be affecting, you know, her, her and her life. But let's take this journey together and find out what's going on. Okay. See, it says here a Canadian woman could be the first patient to be diagnosed as suffering from climate change. Now, I wonder if they got a second opinion from Dr. Al Gore. I'm not sure, but I guess we'll find out. Uh, Dr. Merritt Kyle, uh, Dr. Kyle Merritt, actually, an emergency room doctor in British Columbia, told Glacier Media that a patient in her 70s came into the emergency department at Kootenay Lake Hospital in June when the Pacific Northwest was being battered by an unprecedented heat wave. While Canada was experiencing record temperatures, yes, I think I got quite balmy and actually hit 60 degrees, the (laughs) hospital started to flood with patients, along with the scorching heat, causing exhaustion uh, exhaustion and dehydration. The air was also being blanketed with smoke from wildfires sparked by lightning forms, leading to an influx of respiratory conditions. For one particular patient, Dr. Merritt said it was clear, and that's doctors speak, you know, that her symptoms were being worsened by the environmental conditions that were unfolding around her. Mm -hmm. Now, I don't know about you, but when things start to go south, you find yourself in danger. It seems it makes a little sense that you might want to leave the area. (laughs) Now, now I'm no doctor, but I really think you don't need to get a second opinion on that one or on the treatment protocol I just suggested. But, but, But back to the article, because Dr. Merritt also said she has diabetes. She has some heart failure. She lives in a trailer with no air conditioning. All of her health problems. Problems, all have been worsened, and she's really struggling to stay stay hydrated, he added. How do you have some heart failure? <laughs> Again, I'm no doctor, but it seems to me that since his patient is in her 70s and lives in a trailer, apparently with no running water, has diabetes and a heart condition, don't want to speculate and make me sound like Mr. Stuman, Doom and Gloom here, but his patient may have made some questionable decisions throughout her life, <laughs> one of which could be not shelling out a few bucks to get an air conditioner. <laughs> Merritt also took the decision to write climate change within her diagnosis, as well as making that bold statement. He believes it was an it was important to directly identify the fundamental cause of her illness from a practical point of view. He said, if we're not looking at the underlying cause and we're just treating the symptoms, we're just going to keep failing further and further behind, he said. And you know what? I actually agree. You have to treat the patient not only from what you see, but from the root cause, which turns out to be more important. But as we've seen from Big Pharma, the answer to anything and everything that ails you is always another drug. They don't make their money from healing you. They make it the old-fashioned way, by lying to you and keeping you as a customer. But the real problem is the doctor, (laughs) Dr. Merritt. 
writing climate change in in his diagnosis. By taking that woke and lazy way out, the doctor basically excuses all the other problems his patient has and tries to hang them on the ugly face of climate change. How dare you? Indeed. (laughs) Well, the good doctor finished up his comment by saying... It's me just trying to process what I'm seeing. We're in an emergency department. We look after everybody and the most privileged to the most vulnerable. From the cradle to the grave, we see everyone. And it's hard to see people, especially the most vulnerable in our society, being affected. And it's frustrating. You know what else is truly frustrating there, Doc? The insanity of it all. In this woke cultural push to the left, everything that is bad for you is being excused and rationalized as an excuse except for one's personal decisions on how they actually live their lives, you know, kind of like this guy. It wasn't until you pointed your gun at him, advanced on him, with your gun, now your hands down, pointed at him, that he fired, right? Correct. Correct. Now, don't get me wrong, I'm not some heartless prick here, and I understand that some of us are born with some challenges when it comes to our health, but most of us should take it upon ourselves and assume most of that responsibility. If we have an underlying conditions, we need to be proactive in dealing with them and not wait for them to get worse by neglect or by putting ourselves in a situation we could really harm ourselves. It's like struggling with your fitness all your life and balance, and you decide, well, maybe I'm going to become a downhill mountain bike racer. Look, if the house is on fire, just run away and blame Canada. Damon, back to you. Run away. <laughs> All right, Rick Delgado with what even that is that? Very good. Too. Very good. Thanks. All right, G, let's get right to it if we have time. Crazy Town. Uh, Joe Biden gives a speech that historians will look back on for 50 years. Roll it. Thank you. Magnificent state. He doesn't know where he is. Before I officially start, Billy, you have something you have to give your wife. I got to remind you, okay? Okay, you got it? Okay, you got it. All right. <laughs> Folks, thank you for the introduction. And it's great to be, uh, to be with, your, with members of Congress here. And Representative Amy Custer, <laughs> and a- Annie Custer, as well, well as Chris Pappas. And uh, this is not hyperbole. No, I'm, I'm, I'm Maggie. You did one hell of a job, and you know we uh, and that uh, and she was always making sure New Hampshire roads and bridges, like the one we're standing on today, are safe, and this one is not. And so thank you, Maggie. you know. You know, <laughs> so I, I won't is that why they set up up on it? Your life is going to change for the better, and that's literal. For example. The, the Pemi Bridge here, you just wa- I just walked across, opened in 1939, 20, uh, excuse me, 82 years ago. This may not seem like a big bridge, but it saves lives and solves problems. The fact is that you need that being married to Billy. Uh, you know, be calm, common sense, and I shouldn't be so familiar, but anyway, I, <laughs> Billy's a friend. But making sure New Hampshire water is safe to drink, upgrading pipes, that are 100 years old and helping eliminate PFOS chemicals from the waterways. You know, you always made the case that developing a workforce and jobs that we're going to create is an issue that many small businesses here in New Hampshire focus on. And I might add, parenthetically, parenthetically, folks, uh, Annie Custer's an old friend, an old friend, <laughs> representative. Amy Custer, uh, Annie Custer. <laughs> Folks, it's not hyperbole to say. I'd ride home and I'd look out the window to see God's truth. And I could see the lights on in the kitchens and in the dining room. 
I wonder, what is it that, what, what are they talking about? What are they thinking about? Oh, that story again. that's why I ran. That's why I that's ran. the reason why I ran. I, I left politics. I had no intention of running again. <laughs> so I really got upset when I saw those folks coming out of that field down uh. in Virginia carrying swastikas and torches. Oh, God, this guy is white endlessly full of it. If I hear one more person tell me how Wall Street built America, I think I'm going to, anyway. You're going to what? But seriously, I mean, this is real. This is real stuff. 400 corporations, 550 corporations in the Fortune 500. Guess what? What? I misspoke. 55 (laughs) corporations in the Fortune 500. 13, 13, excuse me, 14 Nobel laureates in in economics said before. This is an esoteric. Picture his handles right now. Gigantic bill it is, but it's about what happens to ordinary people. Are ordinary. How do I cross a bridge in a snowstorm? What happened? No, think about it. This is the United States of America, for God's sake. And why is it happening? Well, there's severe storms and they're knocking down all the wires. Anyway, there's a lot going on. This means jobs. Jobs for folks making these upgrades. This may create thousands, excuse me, oh, up to uh, two, extra, two million jobs extra a year and up to 16 million jobs. I don't know how many times you all told me that. No. But I think I already knew it, but you didn't let me forget it. To rebuild the economy from the bottom up in the middle of out, middle out is what I wanted to do. It's <laughs> about building that, taking care of their legitimate the needs. You know, we promised that, that we couldn't just build back what we had before. We had to build back better, and that's a that's a an environmental requirement. Even if we gain control of the climate, we're still oh. it's not going to go back to what it was before. Con- it's not going to be that way. Right. I was asked by the president to make sure the $900 billion that was being spent was, in fact, used well. Well, guess what? We spent all that money. We rebuilt a whole awful lot of things, and they're less than one-tenth of one percent waste or fraud. That's going to be Mitch's job, making sure that everything gets out and it goes where it's supposed to go. Now, this is not a joke. And as a, as, <laughs> as a, some... You know, I think the same goes if you do. I don't want to get into <laughs> the detail saint. because you're going to be freezing <laughs> but here. But my plan to build back better for our people. Last night, I had an important virtual meeting for three and a half hours with the president of China, Xi Jinping. Years ago, when I was vice president, he asked me when we were near the Tibetan plateau, he, he asked me basketball. if I, I met with him more than any other world leader has. And he asked me if I could define America for him. This is a God true story. That's true. I looked at him. I said, yes, I can. In one word, possibilities. Think about it. And that's why I truly believe that 50 years from now, when historians write about this moment, I think they're going to talk about this was the beginning of the time where America recaptured the competition of the 21st century. We reasserted ourselves. It's 17 past the hour, live from Studio 6B on a Tuesday night. Glad you're in. Rick Emirati's got some sports coming up here. Paul's going to do some news. We're going to get to, uh, I got a bunch of stuff to get to. Uh, Pat Buchanan wrote a good piece um, called, Are the Democrats Looking to the Lifeboats? And you, you're starting to hear rumors about the vice president and the president. Um, you know, the, the disconnect between the two of them, which obviously is clear. 
um, and how deep it runs. You're seeing, I can't hear it, um, Rick's mic. Uh, you're seeing the, um, the polling numbers. Obviously, every poll comes worse and worse and worse. So his, his, his piece is entitled, Are the Democrats Looking to the Lifeboats? Uh, so we'll get to a little bit of that if I have time. If not, we'll get to that tomorrow as well. But let's do some sports right now. And here with that is Rick Emirati. What's going on, pal? All right, Big D, a couple of finals in men's NCAA basketball. Villanova over Howard, 100-81. to um, Kentucky over Mount St. Mary's, 80-55. to Purdue, 96-52 over Wright State. And Duke, of course, 92-52 to over Gardner-Webb. NHL action, Flames and Flyers tied at one in the second. Islanders and Panthers 5-1 mid-third. Sabres 2-1 over the Penguins. That's also in the third. And Maple Leafs 1-0 over the Predators in the second. Rangers continue to lead the Canadians 2-1 in the third. And uh, one NBA action uh, game in action right now. The Warriors 84-68 over the Nets. Looks like the Warriors are taking care of business. And this ties into my story where Peyton Manning pleased with Golden State Warriors Draymond Green to break the Manning cast curse. <laughs> Paulina Dadage again from Fox News, the hardest working woman That's in right. sports. He was on with them. Yes, the Manning brothers are relying on Golden State Warrior veteran Draymond Green to break the simulcast curse when he takes the court in New York on Tuesday night, tonight, against the Brooklyn Nets. The three-time NBA champion joined ESPN's Monday Night Football simulcast of the 49ers and Los Angeles Rams Week 10 matchup when Peyton Manning pleaded with Green to break the Manning cast curse. We talked about it on the show last week, in fact. Uh, all right, welcome back, Eli said via NBC Sports. Still got Draymond. We got a little tweet here. It says, Draymond, Draymond on the Manning cast Dot, dot, dot. Season is over. They obviously heard about the curse, but Draymond obviously knew you can come on and you can curse or you can be cursed. He chose to curse, and I think it's going to work out just fine for you, Draymond. Manning said, please beat the Nets tomorrow night, and they are beating the Nets in Brooklyn. Like I said, 84-68 in the third quarter. Uh, Seth Curry with 28. Okay. All right. That's a rapid sports. All right. Very good, Rick. uh, Let's do some news. And here with that's Paul Nolan. What's going on, Mr. Nolan? So a Texas hospital suspends a doctor's privileges after she voices concerns over vaccine mandates. A Texas hospital announced that it will suspend the privileges of a doctor who, who poses these concerns. Dr. Mary Bowden, an ear, nose, and throat doctor at the Houston Methodist Hospital, posted. And uh, she was called a dangerous uh, threat, and it was a dangerous misinformation. And it's not based in science about the virus the hospital announced on Twitter. The firm didn't elaborate on the so-called misinformation and didn't explain how her social media claims aren't scientifically factual. It said Dr. Mary Bowden, who recently joined the medical staff at Houston Methodist Hospital, is using her social media accounts to express her personal and political opinions about the COVID-19 vaccine and treatments, Houston Methodist said. Um, in her, in her, in their tweet, and uh, they have uh, officially suspended her, and uh, there's no sign of her being able to come back. Yeah, you're not allowed to be a doctor anymore. You know, you, you're not, this, this, this is not. Uh, you didn't go through school and pass the, the the boards and all that to become a doctor to to be able to actually practice medicine. Now it's just whatever the great Fauci says is what you're going to do. We don't. We're not interested in your opinion. We're not interested in you playing doctor. Actually, like, think what's best for the patient. What are you, are you kidding me? Not allowed to practice being a physician. Yeah, you're basically like House. Remember the old doctor show, yeah. House? Now, that's basically what you have to do. That's what you're allowed to do. That's about it. It's crazy. Stunning. Just absolutely stunning. The only science that you can speak is the one that completely coincides with the, uh, <laughs> with the advertiser and Pfizer's agenda. 
And as Paul didn't hear because he wasn't in the room, as, as I said, Alex Bernson puts out today, Pfizer told the world 15 people who received the vaccine in his trial had died. We find out today the real number was 21. More people died in the key clinical trial for Pfizer's vaccine for COVID than the company publicly reported. This out six hours ago. On July 28th, Pfizer and its partner Bio, BioNTech posted a six-month data update from their key COVID vaccine clinical trial, that one, uh, the one that led regulators worldwide to say okay to the COVID vaccine shot. At the time, when questions about vaccine eff- uh, effectiveness were rising, the report received worldwide attention. Pfizer said the vaccine's efficacy remained extremely strong at 84% after six months. It also reported 15 of the roughly 22,000 people who received the vaccine in the trial had died, compared to 14 of the 22,000 people who had received the placebo, a saline shot that didn't contain the vaccine. These were not just COVID deaths. In fact, they were mostly not from COVID. Only three of the people in the trial died of COVID-related illnesses, one who received the vaccine and the two who received the saline shot. The other deaths were from illnesses and diseases, mostly cardiovascular. Researchers called this data point all-cause mortality. Pfizer barely mentioned it, stuffing the details of the deaths in an appendix to the report. But all-cause mortality is arguably the most important measure for any drug or vaccine, especially one meant to be given prophylactically to large numbers of healthy people, as vaccines are. And we now found out that uh, 21 people died, not 15. So six deaths went, well, whatever word you want to put on it, unreported or hidden. Would probably, probably be more like it. Probably hidden because you you don't want to because then that then that make when you extrapolate those numbers, all of a sudden that that six people it doesn't sound like a lot but it becomes a lot as you keep extrapolating those numbers out. And, and last Thursday when you guys were off, we actually played a clip from this guy Kyle uh, Warner, championship mountain biker who is now his career is over. Yes. We talked about the free diver. His career is over. And then I went through a list of 17 other uh, basically high-level athletes, professional athletes, that have suffered recent deaths, all have been uh, vaccinated. I saw a doctor from some hospital. I wish I knew which one to tweet today. In 13 years, I've been in the emergency medicine facility. I've never seen in 13 years a case of myocarditis. Uh, periocarditis, yes, but myocarditis, no. And I'm now seeing... Um, Literally, like stroke after stroke after stroke. And he wrote, it. the last two words he wrote were, come on. So. Did you have to, to see that clip where they had uh, all those athletes this in the last year? Yeah, that's what Rick was talking about. Yeah, that was insane. One after the not? other. Yeah. One after so the I, go- other. I Googled and I fact-checked 15 random names and all of them were true. Yeah, heart attack, heart attack, uh, heart attack, uh, collapsed, passes away, heart attack, heart attack on the pitch, uh, world qualifier, heart attack, heart issues, uh, cardiac arrest. It's it's just amazing. Blood clots. Yeah, I really wish we would have played that the actual clip with it because it was unbelievable. Just it was it's it. I can't believe we can't discuss these things. Well, speaking of clips, let's go to the LOL of the day because this is important. You guys pay attention here. Roll it, G. Listen up so you guys know what to do. 
if you get vaccinated and your family's vaccinated, okay. you can wah, wah. feel good about enjoying a typical Thanksgiving, Christmas with your family and close friends. Wah, wah. Okay. Oh. Thank you. Thank you, Lord Fauci. Turkey. <laughs> Thank you, my lord. You're so generous. <laughs> yes. The ultimate turkey there yeah. tells you that, oh, if you're vaccinated. <laughs> hey. you see, do you see the, it's like, the prices? It's like this data not, doesn't exist. It's, it's, it's like it's not out there. It just doesn't matter to and, them. It's, and when you try to tell it to a friend who really doesn't care that much, it's like, you just don't know this. Plow ahead. Yeah. Just plow ahead. We'll see uh, Josh Hawley question Senator Mayor- uh, Secretary Mayorkas when we get back live from Studio 6B on a Tuesday night. minutes past the hour live from studio 6b on a tuesday night glad you're in make sure you visit our social media at lfs6b on twitter youtube parlor rumble getter everywhere uh make sure if you as you're getting ready oh there's paul's jug <laughs> uh, as you're getting ready for the holidays uh, make way, sure you paul's give yourself jug is a great follow yeah it is a good follow make sure you give yourself enough time if you're ordering either uh let's go brandon shirts anything from 6bshirts.com I think we're about three, two, three weeks out right now. So make sure you give yourself enough time and make sure you visit our friend Mike Lindell at mypillow.com slash LFS6B. Great stuff for the holidays, obviously, but I would get on it now. Don't wait to the last minute. Make sure you get it in time. Uh, Great deals for the LFS6B audience, mypillow.com slash LFS6B. Our own page just for you. So you can go there and pick up on those. So, all right, Josh Hawley. I thought this was really, I mean, Cruz was great, but I thought this was good in because of the kind of um, the connection he makes to the vice president, who, of course, the president told us was the uh, smartest person for the job. And she was going to she was going to get down to it. You know, she was going to get to the border problems, find out what the root causes were. Plus, get down to the physical border. Her office, I think, told us and you remember that piece I played, I believe, from CBS. It was the vice president's own office that put out the fact that she was going to get to both. So Holly um, kind of worked that into his questioning of Senator Mayorkas. Here he is. Roll that, G. Secretary Mayorkas, nice to see you again. You've testified several times already this morning that you have, I'm going to quote you now, rigorous screening and vetting in place. Rigorous is your word for... Afghan evacuees, refugees who have tens of thousands of them who have been brought to this country after the disastrous withdrawal from Afghanistan that this administration conducted, historically disastrous, I might add, in which 13 American service members were killed, including one from my home state, hundreds, maybe thousands of Americans left behind to the enemy where they still remain. 
is it's, it's your testimony that rigorous screening and, and vetting has, has occurred. So I assume that you mean by that that at least the standard refugee screening processes, if, if it's rigorous, it's at least the standard refugee screening process. Is that correct? Am I right about that? Um, uh, Senator, I do think it deviates um, from the, um, the refugee screening, but um, we have taken steps to make sure uh, that the program is indeed rigorous, and I use that term advisedly. Yeah, oh, I, I noted, noted that you use it advisedly. <laughs> it deviates, though, from the standard screening procedures. You're conducting in-person interviews of all of the refugees per the standard procedures. You testified that 100 percent of these people have been screened and vetted. So you're, you're conducting in-person interviews per the standard procedures of all of these refugees? Uh, Senator, um, our U.S. Customs and Border Protection personnel have physical contact and question each individual at the port of entry. If there is any question with respect to that individual, any derogatory uh, information or any question that bears on the individual's safety, uh, the, the safety of the American people, that individual can be placed in secondary. Well, wait a minute. That, that, but that, that isn't, that's, that's not my question. My question is, are you conducting I mean, a standard security? By the way. Where would he have that information? Are they all coming across with like a book of uh, who they are, what right. their past is, where they've been, what they're doing, what they're into? What, what um, does that mean? Uh, I like to crochet and, yeah. and uh, I scrapbook. Yeah. Dear diary, here's my life, Senator children. Yeah. Where's he getting that oh, from? Oh, yeah, come on in. Yeah. Do, do you want to blow up Americans? Uh, no, I no, love this country. No. Okay, God, you're no. in. If there's anything that questions, <laughs> oh, really? I'm, oh, you're, I'm, go, good. Good, good. Go ahead procedure is the standard screening procedure for refugees is they are conducted they are given an in-person interview to find out for example if they're a terrorist so you said a hundred percent of these evacuees are screened have they all been given in-person interviews per the normal process they they have not all been given why not interviews um because we have to be mindful of the fact that we were in an emergency situation to evacuate u.s citizens lawful permanent residents, special immigrant visa holders, and others who have- And what percentage do those, the, the special immigrant visa holders and American citizens, what percentage of the total tens of thousands did those constitute? Um, I have that, um, uh, uh, that information for you, if you'll give me uh, one minute. Um, it's, uh, the, the answer is it's, it's an extremely small percentage. I mean, it's, it's maybe a few thousand out of 60,000 who have come to this country. So my question is, why are you not conducting in-person interviews so of the are, people who have been brought here to this country? Don't you think that's dangerous? Uh, uh, I do not, Senator. I think that if, in fact, there is information adduced that gives any cause uh, for concern, number From one, where? the individual is not brought to the United States. Well, wait a minute. When you say that, can I just, I just want to be clear about this. When you say any information, you mean if they are already in our database as a terrorist or a criminal or a terrorist affiliate, right? Uh, exactly. In, uh, Senator, uh, we capture the biometric and biographic information of the mm. individuals in the transit countries. Right. And if they're, I understand that. And they if they're in our databases already as a terrorist or a terrorist affiliate or a known criminal, then maybe you're saying there's a fault, then, then maybe they get an interview. But what about, so that, that's, that's fine, but what about the, the thousands, tens of thousands of people who aren't already in our database? The people who we don't know who they are, have they been interviewed? Senator, what we do is we, we capture their biographic and biometric information. We screen That's them. like a fingerprint. We, uh, a, a fingerprint, uh, a photograph, biographic information, and we run it against our databases in our law enforcement intelligence 
and other uh, holdings. But you're not interviewing them, Mr. Secretary. It's not unless the, they're already in our database that you then bother to interview them. Do, do you know how many of the 9-11 hijackers, the 20 who tried to enter this country, do you know how many of them were given an in-depth interview by a trained Secretary, official? If I may walk through the, the process. No, no, this is an important question. Do you know how many of the hijackers were given an in-depth interview? I do not. One. The answer is one. That person did not enter the country. The others were not given an interview. We know the outcome. For that reason, the 9-11 Commission recommended in-person interviews for all refugees and others brought to this country in these circumstances. That was 20 years ago. That's why the standard procedure is an in-person interview for refugees or visa applicants. Now, you've testified that you're not doing those interviews. Not at all. That they're not happening. No, if I may. You, you have just testified. You just said that they are not being interviewed unless they're already in our system as a known terrorist. No. That would have captured none of the 9-11 hijackers. If, if I may, Senator, that is, that is not, and I apologize if I was not clear. Um, you are correct that we are not conducting in-person full refugee interviews of 100% of the individuals. What percentage are, are you here. conducting? I don't have that information. What number have what been we, interviewed? Uh, what we are doing. Wait, wait, wait. What, num what number of, of, the, of the more than 60,000 brought to the country, what number have received an in-person interview before they came to the country? Because you said 100% are screened. So what percentage have been given an actual interview by a trained official before they come to the country? Um, when you're speaking of a full refugee-like interview, I right. don't have that data. I will tell Why you not? Are you not tracking it? No, I don't have that data with me. Well, well, why? Why? I, I, I hear you. I understand what that means. <laughs> yeah. But why don't you? Are you not traffic, tracking it? No, we, we, um, uh, we have data in the Department of Homeland Security. You're asking me you do what it? data I have at my fingerprints. Well, why don't you have it? You run the Department of Homeland Security. Why do you not know who has been interviewed or not before they're brought to this country? By the way, are, are you following what's happening to people who've been brought to this country? On September 19th, a female U.S. service member was assaulted by a group of male Afghan evacuees housed at Fort Bliss. September 5th, a report from your office, the DHS, uh, from U.S. In officials at intake centers in Wisconsin identified numerous incidents in which Afghan girls have been presented to authorities as the underage wives of much older men. Other reports of assaults and rapes by Afghan men for Afghan girls. These are, the, these are some of the folks who have been brought here because they haven't been screened, because you haven't conducted interviews. Don't you think that's a problem? Um, uh, Senator, those individuals have been screened, as I spoke of, Previously, and, they and still let me you interview them. They, uh, let me share with you that if an individual violates a condition of parole, there are two things that can happen. They can be criminally prosecuted, depending on the reason for their violation. Mr. Secretary, my time has expired. I've got to turn it over to other to other senators. I just want to say the fact that you are not conducting the most standard interviews for tens of thousands of people brought to this country is astounding to me. And it seems to me you've not learned the most basic lessons that we learned on 9-11 since then. And it, it, the security risk is unbelievable. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Oof. Yeah. Oh now, that wasn't the, um, where did he get into, can, can I see a little bit of part two, G, of him? I just want to clarify something you just testified to, to Senator Cruz. I think you just said that your view is that, that paying illegal immigrants $450,000 or more, million more per family, million eight, that that is not a pull factor 
in other words, it wouldn't encourage more illegal immigration, right? You said not a pull factor, your words. May I have the opportunity to answer this question? Well, I just want to be, you said not a pull factor, right? I couldn't quite hear you at the time, so I just want to be sure that's what you said. The, the settlement payment of the federal tort claim charge arising from a family separation effected under the prior administration's zero tolerance policy would not be a pull factor. That is my testimony. That is your, t understood. I think that's news, that you think that these payments to illegal immigrants would not be a pull factor, would not, that paying them would not encourage more illegal immigration. That, that's news. Thank you for that. I want to ask you about something else that's been in the news. Back in March, when the president said that, that uh, Vice President Harris would be his border czar, he said she's the most qualified person to help in stemming the movement of so many folks, stemming the migration to our southern border. That's President Biden. Do you report to her? Uh, Senator, I report to the vice president and the president, and your question misstates uh, the facts. The president did not appoint the vice president to be the border czar. Um, he uh, um, asked her to lead the effort in addressing the root causes of irregular migration. Those ah. are two very different things. Ah, I see. So is she working closely with you on that uh, important endeavor? <laughs> uh, How often do you meet with her? Uh, I am uh, certainly in close touch with the vice president. This How often do you meet on this subject? Uh, I've met uh, with the vice president um, more than a handful of times. But more than <laughs> yeah. a handful? Well, so what's that mean? Six or seven I'm, times I'm, in the last year? Oh, no. Uh, first of all, I have not been in office for a year, uh, Senator. Um, uh, secondly, I am in close touch. So she's very involved in the department's policies and in, and in, in, in what's happening at the southern border. You've traveled to the border together? Um, Senator, allow me to repeat my testimony that the vice president's focus is on addressing the root cause. I heard your testimony. My, I'm asking you a question. My question is, do you travel to the border together? Or are, you, are you devising policies together? Um, I have traveled uh, to the border once with the vice president to El Paso, Texas, so that she could see firsthand uh, the challenges that we face. And has she been part of your, your policies to your decision to end the Remain in Mexico policy, to end the public charge rule, uh, to change the ICE guidance? Has she been part of those decisions? I, I have not consulted with the vice president directly about those policies. So what is she doing exactly? Um, <laughs> you said she's not the border czar, that that's, that's not her role. We we're wrong about yeah. that. She's not doing anything like that. She's doing something we very different is what your testimony is. But she's, you're not actually consulting with her on any policy. So what is it that she's doing exactly? Uh, Senator, <laughs> so as I have uh, repeatedly testified, yeah. she Lied. is focused on addressing the root causes of ah. irregular migration in the context of the migration challenge. How's that been going? And, <laughs> um, a, um, we are advancing considerably, and in fact, I am contributing to that effort. I have you think the policies are working? I, I have met with the leadership in Mexico, in Guatemala, in El Salvador. <laughs> I just gave you the numbers. <laughs> he said, it how's that going? Yeah, we know how it's going. By the way, they don't care how it's going, which is really the point. Exactly. Studio 6B on Real America's Voice. Man, this is the last segment. 
We're going to do some news with Paul in just a moment. But first, let's uh, get our final sports recap with Slick Rick. Rick, what's going on? All right, Rick, thank you. A couple of quick scores. Alabama over South Alabama just went final 59-51. And Houston leading Virginia 53-35 late in the second half. Memphis 65-43 to over St. Louis. And last but not least, uh, Charleston 42-36 to over uh, UNC. And that's also in the uh, late first half. NHL action. Um, looks like the Rangers are uh, going to beat the Canadians up 3-2 very late in the third. That may have just gone final. So 3-2 Rangers looking good in the garden. And Panthers final 6-1 over the New York Islanders. Predators and Maple Leafs, Leafs leading 1-0 in the third. And the Jets over the Oilers 3-0 in the second period. NBA just one game in action right now, and it looks like the Warriors are going to break the Peyton Manning jinx, uh, 106 to 80 over the Brooklyn Nets. So Draymond Green, I guess he's going to be getting out of hot water there with that uh, ESPN, you know that uh, what can I call it, the kibosh the that the uh, Peyton brothers are getting, the Manning brothers are getting. Yeah, but you know what? I think the 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 losing was happening to football teams, so I think the the football curse is still in effect. Exactly. Uh, and just one more story: Green Bay Packers launch stock sale for first. First time in 10 years, uh, 1935, 50, 87, and 2011 were the years that they actually offered stock where the fans could buy and invest. So for $300, some say you get a piece of paper that's worthless. Others say, no, it's actually a very good idea. It helps fund stadium improvements and other enhancements for the team by getting the public to contribute. So I think it's a good idea. But fans will have the opportunity for the first time in 10 years and just the sixth time in franchise history uh, to buy common stock. And that offering took place on earlier today, actually. So we're excited to offer shares for just the sixth time in our franchise history. Packers president and CEO Mark Murphy said in a press release, since we, are, uh, since we received permission from the NFL this month for stock offering, fans have been excited. So, hey, right now, Green Bay, for my money, and I take that for what it's worth, is the best team in the NFC right now. I think they are the number one team, whether or not they continue to do it with smoke and mirrors. As yeah. Paul said a few weeks ago, I don't know. And that's a wrap in Sports Big D. Back to you. All right, Rick, thanks. A um, couple things before we finish up with some news from Paul Nolan here. The Congressional Budget Office is out. Uh, they estimate that the proposal to amp up the Internal Revenue Service's crackdown on tax evaders that would be the Build Back Better agenda, would bring in about $120 billion, well short of the $400 billion that the Biden administration was counting on. So the first numbers of the CBO <laughs> rolling in are, of course, nowhere near what the, you know, well, of course, it costs zero. We all know that. So we'll we take a look at Hunter <clears throat> Biden's uh, artwork sales. and we'll, we'll make up the difference there. Well, that could be. We don't, I don't know. Why do we need a CBO score on something that costs zero? Uh, would be my question, so I mean, we could ask that question as well. Hey, Rick, what's this clip before we get to news of your the, this woman you sent? Oh, this is the uh, Biden's nominee. 31, G, 31. Biden's nominee for, I believe it's the Commerce Secretary? Uh, Treasury nominee. Treasury. No, Maybe. it can't be Treasury, because no. Janet Yellen's Treasury. I think it's Commerce. Okay, well, let's just see the clip, because he says Take a look. We, you know we, I think we Yellen's played one of her clips before. She's a... Uh, She's she's the she's nominated for a position. Um, she's Russian, I believe. She grew up in in Moscow. Went What's to Moscow University. Uh, yeah, she she's totally cap. She's a total capitalist. Check this out. Imagine what would it be like if instead of being just a public option for deposit uh, banking, this would be actually the full transition. In other words. There will be no more private uh, bank deposit accounts, and all of the deposit accounts will be held directly at the Fed. 
And there are very interesting implications uh, from that thought experiment, for example, with uh, the much more uh, direct and proactive tools of monetary policy, like helicopter money, which is, uh, you know, considered radical, primarily because uh, economists really do not know how to manage the issue of what will happen uh, in the inflationary environment when the central bank needs to contract the supply of money. How is it possible? politically feasible for the central bank to effectively take money away from uh, people's accounts. Yeah. So they oh can just go God. into your account and take money away. Mm-hmm. And so, again, we want, so the central bank having complete control of the currency, expansion and contraction of the money supply is not enough for them. And no. that's not enough. No. And that's Suwali Amarova. She seems, she, she seems reasonable. Yeah, she's a Cornell Law professor, uh, you know. Of course. Oh, and, why wouldn't she be? By the way, here's what, what these people fear the most is the fact that there, there could be a time in 15, 20 years that banks as we know them don't exist. But it won't be because of people like her. It'll be because of technology, of decentralized technology that gets us away from having to be at a centralized uh, bank or people like the Fed. It's not because of her that we'll have it. It'll be because of entrepreneurship in this country that'll take us there and technology. That one day, you don't have to open up a technically a bank account. You'll be able to unbank yourself. Right. But it oh. won't be because of her and her idea. Oh, and she's also for That impact- idea, Castro would, would be <laughs> love. Yeah, she's also for impacting the fossil fuel producers and wants them to, she wants to bankrupt them, basically, in short order. This, this is a quote that she said. We want them to go bankrupt if we want to tackle climate change. Her quote. Well, she fits in perfect with this cabinet, her and Mallorca. I mean, they, she fits in perfect. Stalin would be, um, you know, right in there with him. So uh, that's just insane. 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 Just another example. They're coming after you, folks. They're yep. coming after you. Listen, they eat from the bottom up. They just keep eating from the bottom up. They got the poor on the reps. Then it's the lower middle class, then the middle class, then the upper middle class, and then there'll be just a handful left. You want to go? You want even more lunacy? <laughs> yeah. How about this? Biden bans Nicarag- Nicaraguan <laughs> officials from traveling to the U.S. following sham election. President Biden on Which Tuesday. One? <laughs> right. <laughs> President, right. President Biden on Tuesday uh, placed a travel ban on government, government officials from Nicaragua uh, over Daniel Ortega's victory in what the White House called a sham election. <laughs> this is incredible. They, they know the one when they see one. <laughs> Yeah, they've got this mastered. Uh, in a presidential proclamation, Biden suspended travel for people who formulate, <laughs> implement, or benefit from policies or actions that undermine or injure democratic institutions or impede the return to democracy in Nicaragua. I mean, we live in a banana republic here. This is what he's talking about. Biden criticized Ortega and his wife, President uh, Rosie, uh, Rosario Murillo, and a crackdown on independent media for the jailing of opposition leaders in the run-up to the presidential election. I mean, if, if you don't know what your Paul's talking about right now and you just jump in, you, you don't know if he's talking about Nicaragua or he's talking about here. Think this about is, the Steve Bannon thing. I mean, this is what... How far are we away from that? Yeah. Jailing political dissonance, but people you don't agree with. We're, we're not that far. Targeting parents, arresting people. 
of the uh, other political persuasion? How far are we away from? If you listen to the paragraph he just read, you would have right now in this climate, you don't even know which country he's talking about. No, absolutely. Here's one other thing you should know, by the way. I saw this. This is this is great. It right scoop. Biden's uh, the next the next bill that you can thank the 13 Republicans who voted for the infrastructure bill for when we get this six trillion expansion of the human infrastructure bill, expansion of the welfare state. Here's one of the things that's in there. Representative Gallagher from Wisconsin's 8th District. He puts out this tweet. Democrats' human infrastructure bill, we just found out, provides $2.5 billion. Ready? For a tree planting program. With a priority for projects that increase tree equity. $2.5 billion to provide multi-year programmatic competitive grants to state agency. To increase tree equity in community tree canopy and associated societal and climate co-benefits. $2.5 billion of your money. 13 Republicans thought this was a good idea to vote for infrastructure so that we can then get to this. As always, we salute our military, active and active police, firefighters, first responders, EMTs, everybody on the front lines protecting us. Thanks, guys, on the show. Thanks, she. Thanks, Fran, as always. Thanks to Mary America's Voice. But most of all, thank you. Live from Studio 6B audience. We'll see you tomorrow night, 8 p.m. right here, live from Studio 6B. We'll see you then.